Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season 2, episode 13, Eye of Death. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Peter Jobin, Timothy Bond, and Roy Sallows. Directed by Timothy Bond. Original air date, January 20th, 1989. So we're back with season 2. Episode 13, Eye of Death. Repeat actors in this episode, Tom McCamus plays Atticus in this episode, and he also played Frank the Vampire in The Baron's Bride. Bernard Behrens plays Robert E. Lee in this episode, and he also played Barney in The Pirate's Promise. And the Inquisitor in The Quilt of Hathor. So he's in there a lot. The only warehouse connection... Well, other than time travel, which, you know, is kind of a broad subject. Mm -hmm. You know, we had HG's time machine. And if I thought about it long enough, I'm sure there were other time travel artifacts. But Richard Wog, who plays Zack in this episode, he was the soldier that died at the beginning. Okay. He played Father Mitchell in Fractures in Warehouse, which is the episode where Alice escapes the looking glass for the second time. Oh, yeah. Okay. He, He was the priest who ran the thrift shop at the beginning. Oh, okay. So, this episode opens during the Civil War. Oh, and just so you know, again, I wrote my notes in real time. Last week I said that, but I didn't have that many theories or or questions on the way through. But this time I have a lot. So, even though we know what the end is, I left all my theories and questions in my notes as we go along. Okay, so this episode opens during the Civil War with Robert E. Lee writing a letter documenting his losses in the dire straits they find themselves in. His colonel wants them to move because the Union troops will be there soon, but Lee thinks if they move, they'll lose more men. The colonel wants him to leave the wounded and go. So just then, a man in black named Mr. Rook comes up and tells Lee to stay and tend to his men. He says the Union army is in the same condition as they are, and they'll be safe if they stay. So Lee takes him at his word, as he says he's never been wrong before, so obviously there's a history there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later we see Rook stealing money and other items from the wounded and dead. Soldier Zack is wounded. A flask stopped the bullet from going right through him, but he's not in good shape. And Rook appears pretending to be a doctor and sends Zack's wife away to get medical supplies. And he steals the flask and snaps his neck. And I was like, oh my jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Rook runs and disappears through some sort of opening in the woods and runs through what looks like a photograph into a room with a projector-like thing that's projecting the photo with a candle. So we learn that he's going back in time to steal Civil War items that are now considered antiques and worth a lot of money. We move to Jack holding the flask and standing at some sort of auction with Mickey and Ryan. They're looking for Rook. They say they've been hunting for him for three months, looking for a magic lantern, which I guess was the thing that we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. So Rook shows up at the auction and he speaks with another collector. Jack and Mickey discuss the fact that they can't figure out what the lantern does. They know it's a cursed antique, but they have no idea what it does. It's called the Eye of Death, so Mickey speculates, or really questions, whether it allows us to watch people die as it kills them. I didn't know it's listed as the Eye of Death. I mean, does it kill people and let us watch them die, or what? Well, whatever it does, let's hope that Rook can help us get it into the vault. They're under the impression that Rook, being a picker, is just in it for the money and probably doesn't know what the lantern does. 
they were wrong there. <laughs> While the auction is going on, Ryan strikes up a conversation with a woman, because of course he does, who's there as a guest of Rook. Ryan assumes that Rook must spend a lot of time running around looking for all this stuff, but the woman says that she doesn't think he does because he's in the diner every morning for breakfast, the diner that she works at. So, you know, Ryan's a little suspicious about that. After the auction, Rook asks the auctioneer, I think he is also a dealer, what Robert E. Lee's broken sword would be worth. The auctioneer thinks about a half a million, and Rook tells him that'll call him later. So Jack and Rook know each other. We knew Jack knew of Rook. Apparently they know each other. I don't know if we knew that earlier. So Jack confronts him about being a customer with Lewis's, but Rook denies this. Obviously, they don't believe him. Then Ryan reports that the woman with him said that he's been in town for weeks, which means he's been dodging their calls because Mickey says they've been calling him for weeks and he's not getting back to them. So they just figured he was out on the road collecting all these antiques, you know, and now they know that he doesn't seem to go anywhere. So in Rook's apartment, he changes into his black clothes and tells the woman that he wants to show her something. He tells her about the magic lantern that burns three hours and that they can go anywhere they want. This is a magic lantern. Only this one is real magic. The lamp burns for three hours. And in that time, it can let us travel anywhere we want. Sharpsburg, September 17th, 1862. Robert E. Lee's Confederate troops were cut to pieces at the Battle of Antietam and retreated here. 22,000 men died. A treasure trove of collectibles left in the field. Antiques worth a fortune just waiting. He shows her a slide of Sharpburg and Lee's troops, and he says there are many collectibles left on the battlefield. Lydia, we finally hear her name, gets creeped out and wants to go home. But he says that he can't do it without her and snaps her neck. So right here I'm thinking that he has to kill someone every time he makes the trip. Right. Mm -hmm. But... I was guessing it didn't matter because earlier we saw him kill Zack and he was inside. So later on we find out that he has to kill on both ends. But we didn't see him go in the first scene. So I I wasn't sure what was going on. But at this point, I just thought it didn't matter. He could kill somebody on the inside or the outside. And Yeah, I've been reading the artifact description after my notes. Sometimes Mm -hmm. the artifact description gives it away and then I don't get to speculate. (laughs) (laughs) Outside, Ryan sees Rook throw a body in the dumpster. (laughs) Seriously? Seriously? You kill someone and you throw the body in your own dumpster? Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It doesn't even have a cover. Anybody walking by could see there's a body in there. Yeah. So Ryan sneaks into the apartment and Rook comes back to make his trip. Ryan jumps him and ends up inside with him. So they struggle and Rook gets away, leaving Ryan alone with shots being fired. So Rook comes back to knock him out. He fights with him, he leaves, and then he comes back to knock him out. Why didn't he just knock him out when they were fighting? Right. It, yeah. It's just weird the way this guy does stuff. He tells Ryan when he knocks him out, although Ryan can't hear him, that he's going to be stuck there forever. Jack and Mickey aren't having much luck finding out what the lantern does, but they do find references to the Eye of Death. All I'm finding out about magic lanterns is historical references. Do they have anything to do with the Civil War? Yes. They say that the name Eye of Death came from there. Photographers did slideshows of the battlefield carnage. No one had ever before seen real life frozen in time. What if that lantern did more than show the battlefield? I'm looking through this auction program, and Rook didn't specialize in the whole Civil War. Everything he finds comes from the same year, 1862, and the same battlefield, Sharpsburg. What if somehow he's getting the artifacts from those slides? 
or it was slides were taking him to them. The name came from more photographers because people had never seen images frozen in time. Mickey realizes that all of Rook's acquisitions come from the same year in the same battlefield, Sharpsburg. So then she thinks maybe he's getting the artifacts from the slides, or as Jack says, maybe the slides are bringing him to the artifacts. So they run off to find Ryan, who's now waking up and being cared for by Zach's wife, who we met earlier. When he wakes up and tells her and some other guy who we later find out was her father, because they never said until the end, that he's from Chicago, the man thinks they've captured a Yankee. But Zach's wife protects him by saying he doesn't look like a soldier. Right here, I was like, let's watch how Ryan doesn't read the room. And he'll probably ask him to use their phone. (laughs) (laughs) He just never reads the room. But he surprised me. And he sort of went along with them, letting them think he was a bounty hunter after he told them he was chasing Rook, who killed a girl. And they're also looking for someone, the man who killed Zach, her husband. And she says he robs from the dead and killed her husband for an old canteen, which Ryan realizes is the same person because they saw the canteen at the auction. Mm-hmm. So Ryan asks where General Lee is because he knows that's probably where Rook is heading. Abigail and her father get Ryan some suitable clothes so he doesn't stick out. She also gives him Zach's gun. So Mickey and Jack go to Rook's apartment building, but they're confronted by the police. They found a woman's body. Of course they did. So Jack lies and says that they live in the building and his name is Atticus Rook and the officer lets him in, doesn't check ID, it's a murder scene, and he doesn't verify that they live there. And I've said a million times, this show makes cops look like the biggest buffoons in the world. (laughs) I mean, always. Every time there's a cop in an episode, it's like they do something that would never happen. Like, okay, go ahead. We'll come and talk to you later. And then later, when the cop does come talk to them, it's not them. And he doesn't seem to realize that. But we'll get there. Thank (laughs) you. Okay. Okay, you caught that too, right? It wasn't Mm -hmm. just me. All right. They just walk into Rook's Rook's apartment and find the lantern. Now, people who have cursed artifacts or things that they want to keep away from people would normally lock their doors, but nobody ever seems to lock their door in this series either. I noticed that a lot of shows do that. I'm I'm watching like a lot of detective or stuff like that. Nobody locks their doors. Yeah, yeah. So they walk into Rook's apartment and find the lantern. Jack stops Mickey from touching it because it looks like it's an operation. And they realize that the slide on the wall is from 1862. Jack finds blood and touches the wall. And I thought he was going to go through, but he didn't. So now I was a little confused because at first I thought he just had to kill somebody on either side for it to work for three hours. But if Jack couldn't go through, then it means he has to kill somebody on the outside before he could go through. Right. Which wasn't clear at the beginning. Meanwhile, Ryan's wandering around the Civil War, and Rook is heading for Grant, but Abigail's father finds Rook and walks him off at gunpoint. So no good was going to come of that, we knew. Nope. So Mickey finds pages from 1862 missing from a Civil War book, and Jack figures out that the lamp will only burn for about three hours. Or he knows this, I don't know, because he knows about antiques, so he knows how long these things work. And Ryan had been gone about that long. They're, they're worried about Ryan. They leave the apartment and they leave the lantern there in case Ryan did go through with Rook so he'll be able to get back out. So back at the war, Rook cons the old man, Abigail's father, into looking at the important papers he says he needs to deliver to Grant. And then we hear his father yell and so does Ryan. So Rook runs through the lighted door thing and gets out before Ryan can get him. He didn't have time to get the sword. 
So Ryan's trapped, and then he's caught over the old man's body. So the soldiers think that he's a spy, and they chase him, and he hides up in a tree. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Jack and Mickey go back to the shop and are looking through old books. Jack is sure that if Rook was going into the past, that he'd be part of history in the books. And then I was also thinking they'd see Ryan in one of those photos, and turns out they do later. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Mickey's worried that Rook has to kill each time he goes into the past, which we kind of determined earlier, but they hadn't yet. Right. Every photograph in that book was taken at Sharpsburg. And he tore the information on Sharpsburg out of his reference book, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to find it in here. If he's using the lantern to get back into the past, then he'll be in any records there are. But how can you be so sure he's doing that? Because it makes sense. It explains how Rook finds mint condition artifacts, and all from the same time and place. Jack, do you think he has to kill to go forward in time as well as back? I'm afraid so. You don't buy a curse like that cheaply. So we also learn that he has to kill to go in and kill again to get back, which we didn't know either, which clears up my questions from earlier in my notes because we saw him kill Zack and we didn't see how he got in because it started off when he was in there. Right, yeah. So at the time I thought he can go in and if he didn't kill anybody, he couldn't get out. But apparently he has to kill somebody to get in and then he has to kill somebody else to get out. And they do find a picture of Ryan with General Lee on the way to his execution. <laughs> So Ryan overhears Lee saying that he's waiting for Rook to come with a map of the Union positions. And then back in present time, the police come to Rook's door looking for a statement. And Rook seems surprised that they already found the body that he dumped right out in the open outside of his apartment building. But um, he opens the door. And like we just said, this cop doesn't seem to realize that this is the, the name Jack and Mickey gave. And this is not Jack. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least this time he asks for ID, but he doesn't seem startled by this guy. He doesn't seem to realize that this isn't the same guy. I mean, I was thinking maybe he asked for ID because he did realize. If he did, he didn't show that he did. Right. So that was kind of weird. Yeah, that was. So Rook strangles the cop, but he breaks the slide that he had in his hands. So he can't get back into that battle or that battlefield or whatever. So back at the war, a soldier tells Abigail that a man with a bandaged head killed her father. And she believes it. And she knows it's Ryan. So Rook calls the auctioneer and asks how soon he can have the money for Lee's sword, which he doesn't have yet. And then Abigail goes back to her house and Ryan's there. Abigail doesn't believe that Rook killed her father. Ryan tries to convince her with his watch and what looks like a picture. He tries to convince her that he's from the future. Jack and Mickey arrive at Rook's apartment building again just as Rook is leaving. 
back in the Civil War, Ryan is showing Abigail $5 bills with Lincoln's picture on them. That wouldn't have occurred to me. That was a cute thing that they added there. Yeah. That wouldn't have been a thought. That was good. So he tells her that the South is going to lose the war. If he was in Star Trek, he'd have the temporal investigators all over him. Because he could be screwing up the present timeline by telling her this. But, right? right? But mm-hmm. if they've already seen him in the Civil War books, then maybe he was always there and always did tell her. Now, this is where I am now. You know, at the end, we figure out everything that happened. But at this point, this is what I'm thinking. Because time travel always messes me up. But when they saw him in the book, he was heading for his execution. So at this point in my notes, I was guessing that he would be, or almost be executed, but later disappear somehow. Maybe when they get him out of there, he just sort of disappears or something. Mm -hmm. And so they believe he died. Or maybe he's able to convince Lee not to execute him. And then I thought the photo would be different when they came out or it would be gone from the book right when they got back to the present and then my other thought was maybe that photo was just the extent of the reporting and they never followed up to see if he actually was executed it was just a picture saying on his way to his execution right right but i was sure at this point in my notes that something was not going to make sense to me when it was over (laughs) because (laughs) i was guessing this show is not going to pay too much attention to time travel and altering history and all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. You know, so I also wondered that since Abigail was t- told about the South losing the war, if she would somehow show up in the history books later as someone important or as someone who, I don't know. I just thought when they came out, she was going to show up in the history books for some reason because she's pretty much knows that they lost the war and nobody else did. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Ryan tells her that Rook will be back, definitely, because he wants Lee's sword. And then Ryan talks Abigail into turning him in as a spy so he can get to Lee. So Lee shows up at the auctioneer's house. He needs to get the slide that the auctioneer had showed him earlier so he can get back into the, you know, the war. And when he gets the slide, he kills the auctioneer and jumps into the photo. And Mickey jumps in after him. And Jack is trapped in the house. So, did he kill the auctioneer to get into the slide? Or just so he wouldn't tell anyone? Because he had already killed the cop. So, he already had a death that he didn't jump into the picture after. Right, but maybe there might have been a time frame of how soon you could kill somebody and get in and out. I wonder, because it, it seemed like he went there to get the slide, yes. And then he killed him. And I'm like, well, he already killed the cop. So, in my mind, he had a free and clear jump already. But maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there was a time frame that they don't tell us about. Rook is beating up Mickey in the Civil War, and a photographer is taking a picture of Lee as Abigail brings Ryan to turn him in. The photographer takes the picture that we saw in the book of Ryan going to his execution. Mm-hmm. So Rook must have left Mickey. He beats people up. He leaves them knowing that they're going to get up again. I don't know why he doesn't kill people. He has to kill people anyway. She's now alone wandering around the woods looking for Ryan, and she borrows a horse and rides off. So now I'm wondering, at this point in my notes, that even if they get Rook and find each other, how will they get out without killing someone? That's what I was trying to figure out at this point. Like, would Ryan have have to kill someone to get out of here? So Rook shows up while they're interrogating Ryan, but Ryan doesn't know enough about this specific area of the war to depend on history to help him convince them he was a spy. Right. He thought he was going to be able to use the history that he learned in, you know, in school to help them determine that he is a spy or whatever. But he doesn't know anything specifically about this battle. 
So they take Ryan away, and he shakes his head towards Abigail to let her know that the plan didn't work. But Abigail sees Rook with the sword, so Rook was able to get Lee's sword, except it wasn't the it wasn't broken yet because that part of history hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. But I guess he was just going to break it at some point, and they, because it would have been the sword that was broken, but Lee gave it to him. So she follows Rook. Jack has nothing to do. They just keep going back to Jack peeking at the flame. <laughs> And that's all he has to do is wait and peek at the flame. So Mickey rides into camp and saves Ryan. Abigail's still following Rook. Mickey and Ryan arrive as Abigail is ready to shoot Rook, but he's able to get the gun and he shoots her. Ryan knocks him out and he goes to Abigail. She dies and Ryan attacks Rook, who's just regaining consciousness. I think this is more than once Mickey had to stop him from killing somebody. Yeah. You know, because that's not what they do usually, Mm -hmm. you know. Mickey stops him, and as she's stopping him from killing Rook, they see the door open and rush through it. So once they get on the other side, they tell Jack that Rook's on his way, and Jack blows out the candle, and Rook is trapped in the wall, just like the playhouse last week. Yeah. (laughs) So back at the store, Ryan's picture is still in the book, and he asks if Jack thinks that anything they did changed the way the war went, and Jack says that maybe the past happened exactly the way it happened tonight, which means they went back and did all the same things that they did tonight, and that's why history is the way it is. So at least at the end, they at least acknowledged the fact that they understood something about timelines and time travel. Right, yeah. Because sometimes the show just blows by that kind of stuff and doesn't explain. And then since the sword wasn't broken, it's now just a sword. And Lee went on to break another sword at the battle. So the cursed artifact from Friday the 13th wiki was the Eye of Death. And it's a Civil War era magic lantern that allows its owner to travel back to the time shown in the slide. Requiring a murder for each leg of the trip. So did you like this one? Uh, It was okay. I liked it because I usually like time travel. Although time travel... Uh, you know, I start I start to think about it too much, <laughs> and, I, and I get confused. Did I miss anything that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, not really. Nothing that I can really pinpoint. The only thing that my only impression is, Dad, when somebody walks in an apartment because nobody paid the rent in a couple of months, <laughs> but they ain't got a half person in the wall. I know. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a pretty good story. And I know this series can't get in, in more detail, especially with um because at one point, even if they broke his sword, but that still had been his sword? No, because if he took the sword before Lee breaks the sword, then it's really not the sword he broke. But I think he was trying to cut corners to get money for the sword. Right, because if he got out, he could have broke it and said, this is the one. Right, which it wouldn't really be anymore. It would have been if right. he let Lee keep it. But he took it from Lee, so it wouldn't be the actual sword anymore. Yeah. And that's what I think he was going to do. I think he was going to break it and sell yeah. it. Because that other dealer told her it was worth like a half a million dollars or something. Yeah. And the other thing was, Ryan took off his watch and put it on the table. He took stuff out of his wallet and put it on the table. Was it still on the table? I don't know. <laughs> when did he pick this stuff up to put it back in his wallet and put it on his wrist? Because I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, if not, he's leaving... He's leaving uh, evidence. Right, 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 of time travel or whatever, yeah. He's contaminating the timeline, yeah. And then he showed her a picture of Mickey. So I thought 
that when Mickey came in to find him that she was going to find Abigail first and team up with Abigail to find Ryan because Abigail would know who she was because she did see a picture of her. Right, that's what I thought too. That's what I thought. I thought they did that for a reason, but apparently they didn't. And Mickey finds a horse. Right. <laughs> so anything else I missed? The only thing I will have loved to see was um, if he went back to other places to get other artifacts, but he didn't. He only went to that time period. But there's other time periods in history that an auction would draw different items from different age periods. Right, but he couldn't because he only had that one slide. Right, but I mean, you could get slides from the, <laughs> you know, like there's other certain wars. Besides oh, yeah. the Civil War, there's a lot of wars. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I think he had the slide and there was enough stuff that he could get that he didn't bother to get another one. And probably at some point, if he lived, he would probably go out and try to find different slides. But at this right. point, that's all he had. Because even when he wanted to get back in, he couldn't because that was his only slide. That's why he had to go see the dealer to get another slide. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. If he had lived, you know, when he got everything he can get out of this era, he could have gone found slides to go somewhere else, I'm sure. Right, because that would have been cool. You know, there's a lot of stuff that going, well, I could get artifacts from here, and right. artifacts from there. So yeah. that's what I would have loved to have seen, because, man, you could have been racking up some dope. Yeah, so we'll be back next week for whatever comes next. I haven't looked. <laughs> okay, I'll see you next week. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for Season 2, Episode 14, Face of Evil. <laughs> Yikes! Bye now. Bye. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.